Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this day to be in your house, Lord, to worship you on the first day of the week, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord, that you brought us here to worship you in spirit and truth, Lord, to encounter you, Father, to have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, Lord, one of my favorite parts, now we get to dive into your word and study it and learn it precept upon precept, verse by verse, Father. Thank you for this time of worship and thank you for this uh, gathering that we have today. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. 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 You may have a seat. Praise the Lord. Wow, that was beautiful. Beautiful. Sometimes I could just I could just stay in an atmosphere of worship. Just stay in his presence. Just worshiping him in the beauty of his holiness. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, Paul will bring you a Bible, give you a Bible. And uh, this morning we are finishing up 2 Thessalonians. We've had an awesome, I don't know, two or three month journey through the, through, through the book of Thessalonians. And um, well, before I get there, I, I want to mention one more thing about fifth quarter. Uh, each week, each day, it's coming together, meeting with principals, athletic directors, FCA coordinators, and it's very exciting times. But if you noticed on our postcard, just a couple little updates, one of them says we're giving away free gift cards to... Um, to Chick-fil-A, uh, what was it, Chick-fil-A, Best Buy, and Starbucks. Well, we've already upgraded the Chick-fil-A gift cards. This week, we were given 14 $25 gift cards to California Dreamin'. So mom and dad, you can't come. It's still, it's still, it's still, it's still for the kids. It's still for the students. But you might want to send your kids and say, hey, go give me that California Dreaming gift card. And uh, the second, the second uh, development, I think it was this week. It might have been the end of last week or the beginning of this week. But we finally nailed it down. Um, Adrian Dupree uh, is coming to be our guest speaker that night. And if you don't know Adrian Dupree, he was the uh, team chaplain for the Gamecocks under uh, Steve Spurrier and Lou Holtz. And he's coming out that night. He, he, his ministry is to college and, and high school students. And so we're really looking forward to having Adrian Dupree come out and speak to the students that night. So there, there's the update from this week. And um, we're really excited about fifth quarter. And now let's uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. This morning we're looking at verses 6 through 18. And what we're looking at, the morning, what we're looking at this morning is the subject is, is, what does the Bible say about work? What does the Bible say about work? Let's read uh, verses 6 through 10, and then we'll get into our, um, my introduction and my opening remarks and our verse-by-verse study. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting at verse 6, going through verse 10. The scripture says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to 
to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this study. And Lord, uh, teach us this morning as we look closely at this passage of scripture and uh, speak to our hearts and give us a biblical understanding as Christians how we are to view our jobs and, and the places we work at. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Based on what I just said, what is, what is your view of work? How, how, how do you view your job? Some people enjoy their job. Some people love their job. And some people hate their job. You know, we, if, if, we, if we polled everyone, we'd probably have a whole wide spectrum of answers of, of how people feel about their job. I went and looked up some famous slogans. I want to give you uh, three famous uh, bumper stickers, slogans, that talk about our job. And some of these you'll, you'll know because you'll remember because you've seen them on the back of cars. And I used to say this one. I remember saying this walking out the door when I was working full-time with the guard. And that was this. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And I went running out the door with my cup of coffee every morning heading to work. I still say that sometimes today. Some people, here's another famous slogan. This is not a good one. The famous slogan is, work fascinates me. I sit and watch it for hours. <laughs> but that's how some people feel about work. Ugh, I can watch it, but I don't want to do it. And this is probably my favorite. I, I, if I ever found this bumper sticker, I'd probably put it on, on the back of my vehicle. And that bumper sticker says this, a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. And to that, I say amen, because I, I like to fish. And even a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work. But, but um, so what does, the Bible, what does the Bible say about working? That's what we're here to find out this morning. That's what we're here to find out in our verse-by-verse -verse study. Uh, 1 Thessalonians had five chapters. 2 Thessalonians had three chapters. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul went deeply into the doctrines of the rapture, the return of Christ, the Antichrist, and, and all these uh, events that, are, that are, we call eschatology, things that are future and evidently it had crept into the church. Some of the people there thought, well, if Christ is coming back and the rapture is going to take place, well, there's no need to work. And so Paul, in this closing of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he is going to correct that thinking that had crept in to the church at Thessalonica. So let's look at verse 6. Verse 6. He says, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions which he had received from us. So again, okay, Christ is coming back. The rapture is going to take place. There's, there's, there's just no need to work. I'm going to abandon all my responsibilities. I'm just going to mooch off of other people. And Paul's like, wait, stop, stop, stop. That is not the way we live as Christians. We don't mooch off of other people. You know, we, we are called to work, and we're called to live fruitful and productive lives. And we're going to talk about this. Some of us, that means a nine-to-five job. Some of us, that means uh, having a very busy, uh, fruitful, productive life where they're working in the home. 
maybe. Or, or, or they're serving in, in a certain way. But the thing I want to, my first principle I want to point out to you this morning, when it comes to work and our understanding and having a biblical theology of understanding what work is, is this. Work is a command. You, us working is a command. It's not an option. It's not up for a vote. Look at verse 6, the very opening. He says, but we command you, brethren. Now skip down, look down at verse 10. For even when we were with you, what does he say? We commanded you this, that if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Now look down at verse 12 of this passage. You'll see the theme. Verse 12, he says, Now those who are such, we what? We command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. So it's a command. It's a command for us to work. God has wired us and made human beings so that they will work. This goes back to the moral law. What's the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. We would say, you know, keep the Lord's day, go to church. But if you go back to, to that fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 and 9, you need to read the thing in context. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 and 9, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then look at what it says. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So there's a, there's a command and for us to, uh, to live fruitful, productive lives, to not be idle, but, but to make the most of the time that we have here on earth. You know, we're not called to sit around on the couch. Not, we're not called to sit on the sofa and do nothing, but we're called to live fruitful and productive lives. This obedience, our, as Christians, our obedience to uh, this command it do, doesn't always mean a nine-to-five job. It doesn't always mean a nine-to-five job. For some families, the mom works at home by managing the family and, and taking care of the children. Some families, the mom and dad work. But the point is, is that we live fruitful and productive lives. I know for um, 15 or 16 of our 22 years of our marriage that um, Irene worked hard. Irene worked really hard. I would go off to my job in my employment, and she had the job of, of raising Emily and Daniel and homeschooling them and managing the home. And her job was a whole lot tougher than mine. And so it doesn't always mean that you're going off to a place of employment, but it just, it just means you're being fruitful and productive. You're living productive lives. And people that refuse to work, people that reject this and and, and they, they, they don't want to work, verse 6 says, it says that we withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions. In other words, we don't approve of, of living a lazy life, of being a moocher, of, of, not, of not being fruitful and productive and, and not doing the things that God has called you to do and to work. So anyway, the first principle in this passage is, you need to understand, is a, it is a command. It is a command. That's principle number one. Let's look at verses 7 and 9 as the scriptures continue. Now, in verses 7 and 9, we're going to see that the principle is, the principle is this. I'm going to give it to you up front so as we study it, you'll, you'll see it. And that principle is this. We set the example for others to follow. When we work at home, in the home, 
or at a place of employment or whatever God has called you to do with your time, you know, what we call full-time, you know, Monday through Friday, what, whatever God has called you to do, we set the example for others because other people are watching. It's part of our witness. It's part of our witness. And what, it, and what we should do in our work and wherever God has called you, whether it's, it's managing the home, taking care of the children, or, or, or working as a police officer, or working at a plant, or a military or school teacher, is you should, you're called to do your very best because you're a witness for Christ. So let's look at it, verses 7 through 9. The scripture says, verse 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. So the first thing the apostle sets out here to say is, is, Hey, uh, you, church at Thessalonica, you have firsthand knowledge of how I lived my life when I was there at Thessalonica. In other words, I, I lived it out before you. You know, Paul, we know uh, the church supported him at times. And other times when the church wasn't able to support him, he was a tent maker. And he worked hard. And he lived that example before them. The same way you and I live in this world. We set the example for our, our children, our family, our spouses, our loved ones, our neighbors, that, that, we, um, that we work hard. And we, and we let people see that. And that's what Paul's saying in verse 7. Church at Thessalonica, you saw how I was a hard worker. Now imitate me. Yes, Christ will come again. The rapture of the church will take place. His kingdom will come. But until that day, let's, be fruit, let's, let's live fruitful and productive lives. Verse 8, he continues. He says, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. Goes back to what I said a while ago. The, the apostle, he, he was not a moocher. He, 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 he didn't mooch. Some churches supported him. At times he had to be a tent maker. But overall, he knew it was his responsibility to take care of himself. And he wouldn't take nothing free of charge. Me and, me and Daniel, um, I don't know, it was a couple weeks or a month ago, we were at uh, Russia's. We went to Russia's food line, and, and I, was, I was thinking about this word mooch. We went, I said, you know what, today I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to skip the fries and just have a burger and, and try to keep all the healthy stuff on it and not the fries. So me and Daniel sat down at Rush's, and he had a, he had a no-slaw extra fry. And I had just my burger and my, and my coleslaw, and I'm sitting there eating. And, man, those fries were smelling good. I mean, they were like, oh, my goodness. And he's just sitting there eating away. He had a little bit of salt on him, a little bit of ketchup on him. And I went over there. I said, let me get one of the guys. And he goes, no mooching. Get you, go get your own. Go get your own. But that's, how, but, but that's French fries and that's food. But that's how we should be when it comes to taking care of ourselves. If we need it and we want it, then let us go out and work hard and, and, and earn it for ourselves. And let us go do whatever it takes. Let us go and do whatever it takes. So he continues in verse, verse 8. He says, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. But here it is, second half of verse 8. But we worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. I love this about Paul. The apostle, man, he was a hard charger. He was a hard charger. He says he worked with labor and toil night and day. To me, that's just a statement that where he says, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes. 
And working hard for us is good. Working hard for us is good. It builds character. Me and, me and, my, me and Irene got married in 97. And in our marriage, we started off with four jobs. I, I, I was working for the guard. She was working as a church secretary. And both of us were getting up at oh dark 30 in the morning to go sling papers. But we said, you know what? We're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to do whatever it takes to um, take care of our family. And as we grew and we got better jobs and things been developed in our life, we were able to pull back to, to um, not having four jobs. But sometimes you have to do whatever it takes. And sometimes we have to work day and night. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And don't let no one make you feel guilty if you have to work multiple jobs. If you have to work multiple jobs, that tells me that you're a hard charger. And you can do whatever it takes to take care of your family. I know a lot of people who, who are just shining examples of this, that they take care of their family by working an extra job. Now, hopefully, Lord willing, with his wisdom and his direction in life, hopefully you can get back to one job. But don't let nobody ever make you feel guilty if you have to work more than one job. You're taking care of yourself and you're building, and you're building character. And, um, and hopefully you're using wisdom, maybe going through Dave Ramsey and helping get your, your finances in order so that you won't have to. But sometimes in life it, it, it works out that way. Verse 9. Verse 9, the scripture says, Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves here it is. Here's, here's my point number two. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves as an example of how you should follow us. Paul says, I could have authority. The scripture says, the oxen is worthy of his wages. Churches, ministries normally take care of the person that ministers to them. But sometimes that's available and sometimes it's not. And, and so sometimes... They, they blessed him. Sometimes he was a tent maker. Sometimes a little, a little of both. But God ultimately provided. But he says here in verse 9, but to make ourselves as an example of how you should follow us. And that's my second principle this morning on a biblical theology of working is that we are an example for others to follow. Hard work reflects the nature and the character of our God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 says, God did what? He worked, how many days? He worked. That's what the text says. He worked six days, and then he rested. That's, and we're just following our God. We're just following our Lord in the pattern that he has laid out before us. He continues in verse 10. Take a look at verse 10. He says, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some of you who walk, who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Verse 11 right here in, in, in this third chapter really pinpoints who the Apostle Paul is addressing. Okay, this is, this is who Paul is addressing. This is who he's aiming at as he's writing this epistle to the church at Thessalonica. He's not talking to people who can't find a job or who have disability, you know, or who, who are unable to work. He's talking to people who have the ability, who have the ability and the means to work, but they refuse to. It says right there at the end of verse 11, he says, 
um, there are some who walk among you who are disorderly manner. And here, look at the phrase, not working at all, but are busy bodies. So, like, for people that are disabled or you have a medical condition or you're unable to find employment, man, grace. You know, we're praying for you. We're praying that God provides for you employment, that God provides for you a job. And, we, and, and he will provide. But this is not, this is, the scripture is not talking to those people. It's talking to this group of people that says, God's, there's a command to work and I'm not going to obey it. I don't want to work. And what does it say there? It says, well, you, the biggest benefit you're going to reap from that attitude is what? You're not going to eat. You're not going to eat. And I'm telling you, man, at the Ford house home, if dinner's not on the table by 530, man, we start getting all weirded out because we got to have our food. So it, gets, it grabs your attention really quick when you don't have food and you don't have income. So we have to work. And they're, descri- look, they're described there in verse 11. Let's look at the descriptive words. They're described as um, walking in, uh, the, the New King James says, a disorderly manner. What does that mean? Not walking in, walking in a disorderly manner means you're not doing it God's way. You, and you know, you're, you're not doing it God's way, and we know God's way is what? It's always the right way. It's always the right way. It's the right way to do things. And then it says, um, he says, they're not working at all. In other words, they, they, just, they refuse the concept of employment, um, but are busybodies. The Greek word for a busybody there is perigazama. It means people who are consumed with the business of other people. In other words, this, this individual, these group of people that Paul is talking to, you know, they are they're focused on everybody else is business, and they're not concerned about themselves. And that's not the way we should be. When it comes to our finances and our life and our well-being, we need to make sure that we ourselves are taken care of by the husband or the wife or both or working or in, in employment. You know, um, I preached to Emily and Daniel every throughout the past couple of years. I preached to them that your future and your life uh, and your well-being will be based on the decisions that you make today. Please, Emily, please, Daniel, make wise decisions. Make wise decisions. The decisions you make today will affect your future when it comes to your social well-being and your finances and where you live and what you work and what you do, make wise decisions. Do not live in a disorderly manner. In other words, do it God's way. Do it God's way. Uh, be willing to work. Be willing to work. And, and, and look for good opportunities. Look for good opportunities to where you can advance and move up. And, and you know what? And if you're not happy, may, maybe you're here this morning, and I'm just not happy where I'm working at. Can I give you some encouragement? Go find something you want to do. Because that's, that's important too. That the place that we work at, the place we're employed, that we enjoy it. That makes life a whole lot better. You know, that, that you're in a place that, you, that it's a good atmosphere. You have a good boss. You have people you work with that you can get along with. And, and a good schedule. But work towards that. Go find that. It's out there. It's out there and it's available. And I tell Emma and Daniel, please make every decision as you move forward in life um, prayerfully and carefully. And it's very important. 
Verse 12. Verse 12, he says, uh, this is where I'm going to get principle number three. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. So he's, he, the, the apostle is commanding them. He's imploring them in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's imploring them in the name of their God, in the name of the one that they serve. And the third principle is this, that when it comes to work, it's part of our worship. It's part of our worship before the Lord, our, our work, our job, our um, moms staying at home and managing the kids and homeschooling the kids and taking care of business and mom and dad working. It's, it's part of your worship. Do you know that? that where you, when you go to work, you are worshiping. And my hope and my prayer is that you are doing your work in such a way that it brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. That should be our goal in working. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. The scripture says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Two things there, if you look up at that passage. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. In other words, give it your very best. Be the very best on your job. If you're a school teacher, be the very best school teacher. If you're a firefighter, be the very best firefighter. If, you, uh, if you're a waitress, be the very best waitress. Whatever you do, give it 100%. Because ultimately, whether you're a school teacher or a firefighter or wherever you're working at, according to verse 24 at the very end, it says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving with your work. So again, do it whether you're homeschooling the kids or you're a school teacher at Irmo or you're a plumber or you're in the military or whatever you do, do it for his honor. Do it for his glory because it's part of your worship. Worship is not just what we do on Sunday mornings when we lift our hands and we sway back and forth and we worship the Lord. Worship is how we live our lives. You're worshiping the Lord, hopefully, Monday through Friday, even in your jobs. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, what does it say? Do all. Do all. You know what that word all means? It means all. It says do all. Do all for the glory of God. That's the Christian's heart cry. That's the believer's focus. That's the believer's mission is whatever the Lord places before you, whatever job, maybe you're an electrician, you work out at Jenkinsville, or, 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 or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What does it mean? I was, I was looking at this verse and I was meditating on 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And I was like, what does this mean that to, to work? What does it mean to work? For the glory of God. Number one, it means you give your employer the very best. You give your employer, you make that employer proud. Man, Brandon is the bomb. I hired that guy and he is the best. Let that be said of us in our workplace. That, that we give 100%, 110% because we're doing it for the glory of God. 
And that supervisor, he thinks you're doing it for him, which is cool. I'm down with that. But ultimately, you're doing it for the Lord, and he, he appreciates that. Number two, the way that you work for the glory of God is that you, um, you walk in integrity. You walk in integrity in your job. That, that the language you use, um, the way you treat other people in your work, that you, you do it as a Christian that you do it as a Christian. That's how we glorify God in our, at, at our work, is that when we go to work, they're like, something's different about that guy. He don't ever curse. He don't ever tell no foul jokes. What is up with him? And then I see him at lunch bowing his head and praying. Oh, he must be one of those Christians. That's good. That's good. The, the walk in integrity. Walk in integrity. And, and do the right thing at your job. And ultimately, when we talk about working, our, our job, your employment, when, you, when you're doing it for the glory of God, you understand that you're there as a witness for Christ. You're there as a witness for Christ. And just like when we want to be a witness in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, we want to be that same witness at work. We want to make, we want to be salty. We want to give people, make people thirsty for Christ. Who is this God that you serve? His name is Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who rose from the grave. He is, him being inside of me is, is why I am who I am. And you make those around you at work say, man, I want, I want that Jesus. I want that Jesus. I, I want him to be a part of my life. So it's part of our worship, guys. Your, your work, what you do Monday through Friday at your place of employment is, is an act of worship before the Lord. And number four, Number four, I, I got this from just the whole passage here. The fourth principle of uh, understanding work is this. It is God-ordained. It is God-ordained. We talked about this a while ago. It was a command, and it is a command from Scripture, but it's God-ordained. He made you to work, just like he made you to sleep. He, he gave you this ability to fall asleep at night and get some rest. Well, he's wired you and given you the ability to live a fruitful and productive life. Whether that's taking care of the home, taking care of the family, volunteering with organizations, helping out at church, working a full-time job. He's, he's given you, he, that, that's, he's ordained that. Now the question, as we're looking at work, the question that popped in my brain as I was studying this week, that many of us are looking forward to, what do, what do, what do people working look forward to? Retirement. So I, so I thought to myself this morning, this week as I'm studying, I was like, is retirement biblical? Is, re, is retirement biblical? Well, I, I agree and disagree with you, Rick. And I, just, just hear, hear me out. Hear me out from beginning to end. Is retirement biblical? And to that question, hear me out before you start throwing rocks, is yes. Retirement is biblical, meaning this, reaping the benefits of hard work is nice. So if you have retired from a place of employment, praise the Lord. Enjoy that retirement. I love my benefits from the military that I still uh, am receiving today because I retired from the military. I love those benefits, and, and, and I did. I retired from the Army. But here's the deal. Here's the catch. Don't go to the sofa and retire. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what I meant. So yes. So do you want to work hard and retire? Yes. And, and it's awesome. And, and it's a great place to be. But once you retire, then it's time to say, Lord, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do next in my life? It's not time to, you don't retire and then go get on the sofa with a six-pack of Cokes and some Doritos for the rest of your life. It's time for the next chapter in your life. It's, it's, it's time to say, start saying, Lord, what do you want me to do next? So is retirement biblical? Yes. But we're still called to live a fruitful and productive life. You know, uh, you know my plan is to live a, a very long life. That's my goal. I live my life daily as if Christ is coming tomorrow. But I plan as if I'm going to live for a very long time. And I want to live a long time. But I want it to be fruitful and I want it to be productive. And I want to be able to say 10 years from now that I've accomplished the Lord through me has accomplished great things and keep on going till the day he calls me home. Retirement is when I enter the streets of gold and, and, and I enter into heaven. Then it's time to retire. Then it's time to kick back and relax in, in glory. So the point is God ordained. Is retirement biblical? I'd say yes, but don't, but don't retire. Don't go to uh, sofa retirement. Um, we need to, uh, throughout our lives, whether it's work or home or whatever God has called you to, to be living a fruitful and productive life, is this, you need, to, you need to stay active. You need to stay active and engaged. Research supports this. According to Harvard Health, and I copy and paste this, according to Harvard Health, they says working and staying engaged, it, one, keeps your body healthy, it keeps your mind sharp, and it produces a longer lifespan by staying busy. So there's benefits. There's benefits to continuing on and, and, and finding something to put your hands to and to, to work at, you know, even after employment or even during your life. You know, we're wired to work. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope this morning, I hope you've been blessed. I hope I've encouraged some people. I hope you... Uh, maybe gave you some pointers to think about when it comes to your work, when it comes to your employment. And uh, let's be fruitful and let's live fruitful and productive lives. Let's always be busy about the Lord's work and his kingdom and, and work in helping our families and, and, and helping those around us. Amen? All right, let's, let's wrap up. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, But as for you, brethren... Do not grow weary in doing good. I love that. He says, hey, man, keep on plugging away. Keep on doing what is good. Stay, stay engaged with your family, with your children, with your church. Do those things that are good for the Lord and for your family and for your marriage and for your children. Do those things that are good. Verse 14, he says, And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Again, we, we look back at uh, verse, verse 11. He's talking about the people who refuse. And, it, and if they refuse, then you go back to verse 6 where, he said, where it says, We withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to this tradition. Verse 15, um, 
He says, yeah, do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Again, there are people out there that struggle in this area. And the worst thing that we could do is come alongside and beat them upside the head or criticize them or complain to them. What do we need to do? We need to encourage them. We need to encourage them and, and help them if we can to, to find their place in society, to find their place in working, and we need to encourage them. Because for the most part, for the most part, everybody wants to work. Everybody wants to work. Everybody wants some of that green stuff in their pocket so they can go out to eat and pay their bills and live life. So don't, don't count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. In other words, be graceful. Be graceful. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. I love this. Typical Pauline uh, closure we see in his greetings and his closures in his books. He says, the Lord be with you all. This salutation of Paul this salutation of Paul with my own hands, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And we have completed our study, our verse-by-verse study, through the book of Second Thessalonians. And I love how he ends this. You know, one of the things that Calvary Chapel is big about, because the Bible is big about it, and that is grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He reminds them in the very beginning that let God's unmerited favor be upon you. But the only way a person can experience that unmerited favor is through who? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came to save our souls. He came to rescue us from the wrath to come. He came to rescue us from hell, yes. But in addition to all of those, he came to give us a new life, a new heart in this life here and now. And through the verse-by-verse teaching of his word and just letting his word go forth, he teaches us, I love this, about every aspect of life, everything in our marriages, in our relationship with our children, in our relationship with husbands and wives, and also here and, and, and how we work. And we do well. We've heard from the Lord this morning. This is what he says when it comes to employment. So let us go out and live fruitful and productive lives. Amen? Amen. Next Sunday, we will start our verse-by-verse study through the book of First Timothy. There's, uh, this, they call them um, the pastoral epistles. There's three pastoral epistles in the New Testament. First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. Wonderful principles on leadership. And leadership, uh, church government, how to influence people, how to help, help people, how to maintain the standard. You know, if you want to know the, the job description of a pastor, where do, you, where do you go? To these pastoral epistles. So it's going to be an awesome study. So I just want to encourage you guys that um, starting next Sunday, we'll, we'll begin our journey through uh, 1 Timothy. But for now, that's what the Bible says about work. And let's, let's be uh, faithful and obedient to his word in this area of our life. Amen? Let's pray.
Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this subject of work. Lord, let us do everything for your honor and your glory, Lord God. Father, I pray for everyone here, Father. Father, first off, I lift up those who are looking for employment. And I pray, God, that even this week, Lord, that you would just open up doors for people here that have applied for jobs. Pray, Father, that you guide them and that you direct them, Lord, and that you bless them, Lord. And that after you bless them with a job, they're going to look to you and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for this job. Father, for those of us who who are working, and Father, for those moms and those homemakers and those raising children, Lord, I pray for all of us that we'll do, we'll do it all for your glory, that we'll raise our children, we'll educate our children, Lord, that we will um, work at our workplace, and we'll do it all for your honor and all for your glory as believers in Christ. Lord, let us not only believe you, but let us follow you in the example that you've given us through the Apostle Paul and through scriptures. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this study this morning and um, just ask you to go before us this week and help us to have a blessed week in Christ and let us experience your love, your grace, and your truth as we go out into the world. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen.